Zixie of Ix, Volume Seven, Chapter Twenty, in the Palace of the Witch Queen. Bard and Fluff were surprised at the magnificence of the city of Ix. The Witch Queen had reigned there so many centuries that she found plenty of time to carry out her ideas, and the gardens, shrubbery, and buildings were beautifully planned and cared for. The splendid palace of the queen was in the center of a delightful park, with white marble walks leading up to the front door. Aunt Rivette landed the children at the entrance to this royal park, and they walked slowly toward the palace, admiring the gleaming white statues, the fountains, and the flowers as they went. It was beginning to grow dusk, and the lights were gleaming in the palace windows when they reached it. Dozens of liveried servants were standing near the entrance, and some of these escorted the strangers with much courtesy to a reception room. There, a grey-haired master of ceremonies met them and asked in what way he might serve them. This politeness almost took Bud's breath away, for he had considered Queen Zixi in the light of an enemy rather than a friend, but. He decided not to sail under false colors, so he drew himself up in royal fashion and answered, "I am King Bud of Noland, and this is my sister, Princess Fluff, and my Aunt Rivette. My kingdom has been conquered by a horde of monsters, and I have come to the Queen of Ix to ask her assistance." The Master of Ceremonies bowed low and said. I am sure Queen Zixi will be glad to assist your Majesty. Permit me to escort you to rooms that you may prepare for an interview with her as soon as she can receive you. So they were led to luxurious chambers and were supplied with perfumed baths and clean raiment, which proved very refreshing after their tedious journey through the air. It was now evening. And when they were ushered into the queen's reception room, the palace was brilliantly lit. Zixi, since her great disappointment in the lilac grove, had decided that her longing to behold a beautiful reflection in her mirror was both impossible and foolish. So she had driven the desire from her heart and devoted herself to ruling her kingdom wisely, as she had ruled before the idea of stealing the magic cloak. Had taken possession of her, and when her mind was in normal condition, the witch queen was very sweet and agreeable in disposition. So Queen Zixi greeted Bud and his sister and aunt with great kindness, kissing Fluff affectionately upon the cheek and giving her own hand to Bud to kiss. It is not strange that the children considered her the most beautiful person they had ever beheld. And to them, she was as gentle and beautiful, listening with much interest to their tale of the invasion of the Roly Rogues, and promising to assist them by every means in her power. This made Bud somewhat ashamed of his past enmity, so he said bluntly, "I'm sorry we defeated your army and made them run. Why, that was the only thing you could do when I had invaded your dominion," answered Zixi. I admit that you were in the right, and that I deserved my defeat. But why did you try to conquer us? Asked Fluff. 
"'Because I wanted to secure the magic cloak of which I had heard so much,' returned the Queen frankly. "'Oh,' said the girl. "'But of course you understand that if I had known the magic cloak could not grant any more wishes, I would not have been so eager to secure it,' continued Zixi. "'No,' said Bud. "'The old thing won't work any more, and we nearly got captured by the Roly Rogues before we found out.' "'Oh!' "'You have the clock again?' asked Zixi, with a look of astonishment. "'Yes, indeed,' responded the princess. "'It was locked up in my drawer, and Aunt Rivette managed to get it for me before the Roly Rose could find it.' "'Locked in your drawer?' repeated the witch-queen musingly. "'Then I am sorry to say you have not the fairy cloak at all, but the imitation one.' "'What do you mean?' asked Fluff, greatly surprised. "'Well, I must make a confession,' said Zixi with a laugh. "'I tried many ways to steal your magic cloak. First, I came to Knoll as mistrust. Do you remember?' "'Oh, yes,' cried Fluff. "'And I mistrusted you from the first. "'And then I sent my army to capture the cloak. "'But when both of these plans failed, "'I disguised myself as the girl Adlena.' "'Adlena?' exclaimed the princess. Why, I've often wondered what became of my maid Adlena, and why she so suddenly left, and so mysteriously. Well, she exchanged an imitation cloak for the one the fairies had given you, said Zixi with a smile, and then she ran away with the precious garment, leaving in your drawer a cloak that resembled the magic garment, but with no magical charms. How dreadful, said Fluff. "'But it did me no good,' went on the queen sadly. "'For when I made a wish, the cloak would not grant it.' "'Yes,' cried the girl, eagerly. "'Because it was stolen. "'The fairy who gave it to me said that if the cloak was stolen, "'it would never grant a wish to the thief.' "'Oh,' said Zixi, astonished. "'I did not know that.' "'Of course not,' Fluff replied with a rather triumphant smile. "'But if you had only come to me and told me frankly that you wanted to use the cloak, "'I would gladly have lent it to you, and then you could have had your wish.' "'Oh, well,' said Zixi, much provoked with herself, "'to think I have been so wicked all for nothing, "'when I might have succeeded without the least trouble, "'and I frankly asked for what I wanted. "'But see here,' said Bud beginning to understand the tangle of events. I must have worn the imitation cloak when I made my wish, and that was the reason that my wish didn't come true. To be sure, rejoined Fluff, and so it is nothing but the imitation cloak we have brought with us here. No wonder it would not destroy and bury the roly rogues, declared the boy sulkily. But if this is the imitation, where then is the real magic cloak? "'Why, I believe I left it in the lilac grove,' replied Zixi. "'Well, then we must find it at once, "'for only by its aid can we be rid of those roly rogues.' "'And afterward I will gladly lend it to you also. "'I promise now to lend it to you,' said Fluff, turning to the queen. "'And your wish will be fulfilled after all, whatever it may be.' This expression of kindness and goodwill brought great joy to Zixi, and she seized the generous child in her arms and kissed her with real gratitude. 
"'We will start for the lilac grove tomorrow morning,' she exclaimed delightedly. "'And before night both King Bud and I will have our wishes fulfilled.' Then the witch-queen led them to her royal banquet-hall, where a most delightful dinner was served. And all the courtiers and officers of Zixi bowed low, first before the king of Noland, and then before his sweet little sister, and promised them the friendship of the entire kingdom of Ix. Quavo, the wandering minstrel, chanced to be present that evening, and he sang a complimentary song about King Bod, and a wonderful song about the flying lady, meaning Aunt Rivette, and a beautiful song about the lovely Princess Fluff. So everyone was happy and contented, as they all looked forward to the morrow to regain the magic cloak, and by its means to bring an end to all their worries. CHAPTER Twenty One, THE SEARCH FOR THE MAGIC CLOAK The sun had scarcely risen the next morning when our friends left the city of Ix in search of the magic cloak. All were mounted on strong horses, with a dozen soldiers riding behind to protect them from harm, while the royal steward of the witch-queen followed with two donkeys laden with hampers of provisions from which to feed the travellers on their way. It was a long journey to the wide river, but they finally reached it and engaged the ferryman to take them across. The ferryman did not like to visit the other shore, which was in the kingdom of Noland, for several of the roly rogues had already been seen upon the mountain-top, but the guard of soldiers reassured the man. So he rowed his big boat across with the entire party, and set them safely on the shore. The ferryman's little daughter was in the boat, but she was not sobbing to-day. On the contrary, her face was all smiles. "'Do you not still wish to be a man?' asked Zixi, patting the child's head. "'No, indeed!' answered the little maid, for I have discovered all men must work very hard to support their wives and children, and to buy them food and raiment. So I have changed my mind about becoming a man, especially as that would be impossible. It was not far from the ferry to the grove of lilacs, as they rode along. Zixi saw the great owl sitting contentedly in a tree, pruning its feathers. "'Are you no longer wailing because you cannot swim in the river?' asked the witch-queen, speaking in the owl language. "'No, indeed, hoo-hoo-hoo! For as I watched a fish swimming in the river, a man caught it on a sharp hook, hoo! And the fish was killed. I believe I am safer in a tree, hoo-hoo!' "'I believe so, too,' said Zixi, and rode along more thoughtfully for she remembered her own desire, and wondered if it would also prove foolish. Just as they left the river-bank, she noticed the old alligator sunning himself happily upon the bank. "'Have you ceased weeping because you cannot climb a tree?' asked the witch-queen. "'Of course,' answered the alligator, opening one of its eyes to observe his questioner. "'For a boy climbed a tree near me yesterday, and fell out of it, and broke his leg.' It is quite foolish to climb trees. I'm sure I'm safer in the water. Zixi made no reply, but she agreed with the alligator, who called after her sleepily. Isn't it fortunate we cannot have everything we are stupid enough to wish for? 
Shortly afterwards, they left the river bank and approached the lilac grove. The witch queen riding first through the trees to show the place where she had dropped the magic cloak. She knew it was near the little spring where she had gazed at her reflection in the water, but although they searched over every inch of ground, they could discover no trace of the lost cloak. It is really too bad, exclaimed Zixi with vexation. Someone must have come through the grove and take the cloak away. But we must find it, said Bud earnestly. "'for otherwise I shall not be able to rescue my people from the Roly Rogues. "'Let us inquire of everyone we meet if they have seen the cloak,' suggested Princess Fluff, "'in that we may discover who has taken it.' "'So they made a camp at the edge of the grove, "'and for two days they stopped and questioned all who passed that way. "'But none had ever seen or heard of a cloak like the one described. "'Finally an old shepherd came along.' hobbling painfully after a flock of five sheep, for he suffered much from his rheumatism. "'We have lost a beautiful cloak in the lilac grove,' said Zixi to the shepherd. "'When did you lose it?' asked the old man, pausing to lean upon his stick. "'Several days ago,' returned the queen. "'It was bright as the rainbow, and woven with threads finer than—' "'I know, I know,' interrupted the shepherd. I myself find it lying upon the ground beneath the lilac trees. Hurrah! cried Bud gleefully. At last we have found it. And all the others were fully as delighted as he was. But where did you put the cloak? inquired Zixi. I gave it to Dame Dingle, who lives under the hill yonder, replied the man, pointing far away over the fields. She gave me in exchange some medicine for my rheumatism. "'which has made the pain considerably worse. "'So today I threw the bottle in the river.' "'They did not pause to listen further to the shepherd's talk, "'for all were now intent on reaching the cottage of Dame Dingle. "'So the soldiers saddled the horses, "'and in a few minutes they were galloping along toward the hill. "'It was a long ride over rough ground, "'but finally they came near the hill "'and saw a tiny tumble-down cottage just at its foot.' Hastily dismounting, Bud, Fluff, and the Queen rushed into the cottage, where a wrinkled old woman was bent nearly double over a crazy quilt upon which she was sewing patches. "'Where is the cloak?' cried the three in a breath. The woman did not raise her head, but counted her stitches in a slow, monotonous tone. Sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. "'Where is the magic cloak?' demanded Zixi, stamping her foot impatiently. Nineteen said Dame Dingle slowly. "'There, I've broken my needle!' "'Answer us at once,' commanded Bud sternly. "'Where is the magic cloak?' The woman paid no attention to him whatever. She carefully selected a new needle, threaded it after several attempts, and began anew to stitch the patch. Twenty, she mumbled in a low voice. Twenty-one! But now Zixi snatched the work from her hands and exclaimed, If you do not answer at once, I will give you a good beating. It's all right, said the dame, looking up at them through her spectacles. The patches take twenty-one stitches on each side. If I lose my count, I'll get mixed up. But it's all right now. 
What do you want? The cloak the old shepherd gave to you, replied the queen sharply. The cloak with the pretty colours, oh yes, asked the dame brightly. Yes, 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 answered the three excitedly. Why, that very patch I was sewing from that cloak, said Dame Dingle. Ain't it lovely? And it brightens the rest of the crazy quilt beautifully, too. Do you mean that you cut up the magic cloak? asked Fluff in amazement, while the others were just too horrified to speak. Certainly. The cloak was too fine for me to wear. I needed something bright for my crazy quilt, so I cut up half the cloak and made patches of it. The witch queen gave a gasp and sat down suddenly upon a rickety bench. Princess Fluff walked to the door and stood looking out that the others might not see the tears of disappointment in her eyes. Bud alone stood scowling in front of the old dame, and presently he said to her in a harsh tone, "'You want to be smothered with your own crazy quilt for daring to cut up the fairy cloak!' "'The fairy cloak!' echoed Dame Dingle. "'What do you mean?' "'That cloak was a gift to my sister from the fairies, and it had a magic charm. "'Aren't you afraid the fairies will punish you for what you have done?' "'Dame Dingle was greatly disturbed by this. "'How could I know that? How could I know his magic cloak that old Edie gave me?' "'Well, it was, and woven by the fairies themselves,' retorted the boy. "'And a whole nation is in danger because you had wickedly cut it up.' Dame Dingles tried to cry, to show that she was sorry, and so escaped punishment. She put her apron over her face and rocked herself back and forth, and made an attempt to squeeze a tear out of her eyes. Suddenly Zixie jumped up. "'Why, it isn't so bad after all!' "'We can sew the cloak back together again.' "'Of course,' said Fluff, coming from the doorway. "'Why didn't we think of that before?' "'Where is the rest of the cloak?' demanded Zixi. Dame Dingle went to a chest and drew forth the half of the cloak that had not been cut up. There was no doubt about it being the magic cloak. The golden thread Queen Lulia had woven could be seen plainly in the web— and the brilliant colours were as fresh and lovely as ever. But the flowing skirt of the cloak had been ruthlessly hacked by Dame Dingle's shears, and presented a sorry plight. "'Give us the patches you have cut,' commanded Zixi. And without a word, the dame drew from her basket five small squares, and then ripped from the crazy quilt the one she had just sewn on. "'But this isn't enough!' said Fluff, when she had spread the cloak upon the floor and matched the pieces. "'Where's the rest of the cloak?' "'Why, I, I,' stammered Dame Dingle with hesitation, "'I gave them away!' "'Gave them away? Who caught them?' asked Bud. "'Why, some friends of mine were here from the village last evening. We traded patches so each of us would have a variety for our quasi quilts.' "'Well?' "'And I gave each of them one of the patches from the pretty cloak.' "'Oh, my, you are a ninny,' declared Bud scornfully. "'Yes, your majesty, I believe I am,' answered Dame Dingle meekly. "'We must go to the village and gather up those pieces,' said Zixi. "'Can you tell us the names of your friends?' she asked the woman. 
Of course, responded Dame Dingle. They were Nanny Nink, Betsy Barks, Sally Sog, Molly Meat, and Lucy Lum. Before we go to the village, let us make Dame Dingle sew these portions of the cloak back together, suggested Fluff. The dame was glad enough to do this, and she threaded the needle at once. So deft and fine was her needlework that she mended the cloak most beautifully, so that from a short distance away no one could discover that the cloak had been damaged at all. But a great square was still missing from the front, and our friends were now eager to hasten to the village. This will cause us some delay, said the witch queen more cheerfully, but the cloak will soon be complete again, and then we can have our wishes. Fluff took the precious cloak over her arm, and then they all mounted their horses and rode away toward the village, which Dame Dingle pointed out from her doorway. Zixi was sorry for the old creature who had been more foolish than wicked, and the witch queen left a bright gold piece in the woman's hand when she bade her good-bye, which was worth more to Dame Dingle than three pretty cloaks. The ground was boggy and uneven, so they were forced to ride slowly to the little village. But they arrived there at last, and began hunting for the old women who had received pieces of the magic cloak. They were easily found, and all seemed willing enough to give up their patches when the importance of the matter was explained to them. At the witch-queen's suggestion, each woman fitted her patch to the cloak and sewed it on very neatly. But Lucy Lum, the last of the five, said to them, "'This is only half of the patch Dan Deagle gave me. "'Other patch I gave to the miller's wife "'down in the valley where the river bends. "'I'm sure she would be glad to let you have it. "'See, it only requires that small piece "'to complete the cloak and make it as good as new.' "'And it was true. "'The magic cloak, except for a small square at the bottom, "'was now complete. "'And such skillful needlewomen were these crazy quilt-makers.' that it was difficult to tell where it had been cut, and afterwards mended. But the miller's wife must now be seen, so they all mounted their horses again, except Aunt Rivette, who grumbled that so much riding made her bones rattle, and that she preferred to fly, which she did, frightening the horses to such an extent with her wings that Bod made her keep well in advance of them. They were all in good spirits now, for soon the magic cloak, almost as good as new, would be again in their possession, and Fluff and Bud had been greatly worried over the fate of their friends who had been left to the mercy of the terrible Roly Rogues. The path ran in a zigzag direction down to the valley, but at length it led the party to the mill, where old Rivette was found sitting in the doorway waiting for them. The miller's wife, when summoned, came to them, drying her hands on her apron, for she had been washing the dishes. "'We want to get the bright-coloured patch Lucy Lum gave to you,' explained Fluff. "'For it was part of my magic cloak, which the fairies gave to me, and this is the place where it must be sewn to complete the garment.' And she showed the woman the cloak with the square missing. "'Oh, see,' said the miller's wife, nodding her head, "'and I'm very sorry I cannot give you the piece to complete your cloak.' But the fact is, I considered it too pretty from a crazy quilt, so I gave it to my son for a necktie. And where is your son? demanded Zixi. 
Oh, he's gone to sea, for he is a sailor. Well, this time he is far away upon the ocean. Bod and Fluff and the Witch Queen looked at one another in despair. This seemed indeed to destroy all their hopes, for the one portion of the cloak that they needed was far beyond their reach. Nothing remained but for them to return to Zixi's palace and await the time when the miller's son should return from his voyage. But before they went, the queen said to the woman, When he returns, you may tell your son that if he will bring me the necktie you gave him, I will give him in return fifty gold pieces. And I will give him fifty more, said Bud promptly. And I will give him enough ribbon to make fifty neckties, added Fluff. The miller's wife was delighted at this prospect. Thank you, thank you, she exclaimed. My boy's fortune is made. He can now marry Imogene Gubb and settle down on a farm and give up the sea forever, and his neckties will be the envy of all the men in the country. As soon as he returns, I will send him to you with a bit of cloak which you need. But Zixi was so anxious that nothing might happen to prevent the villa's son from returning the necktie that she left two of her soldiers at the mill with instructions to bring the man to her palace the instant he returned home. As they rode away, they were all very despondent over the ill luck of their journey. "'He may be drowned at sea,' said Bud. "'Or he may lose the necktie on the voyage,' said Fluff. "'A thousand things might happen,' returned the Queen. "'But we need not make ourselves unhappy imagining them. "'Let us hope the miller's son will soon return.' and restore to us the missing patch, which showed that Zixi had not lived six hundred and eighty-three years without gaining some wisdom. Chapter 22 Ruffles Carries the Silver Vial When they were back at the Witch Queen's palace in the city of Ix, the Queen insisted that Bard and Fluff and their Aunt Rivette should remain her guests until the cloak could be restored to its former complete state. And for fear something else might happen to the precious garment, a silver chest was placed in Princess Fluff's room and the magic cloak safely locked therein, the key being carried upon the chain around the girl's neck. But their plans to wait patiently were soon interfered with by the arrival at Zixi's court of the talking dog Ruffles which had with much difficulty escaped from the roly rogues. Ruffles brought to them so sad and harrowing a tale of the sufferings of the five high councillors and all the people of Noland at the hands of the fierce roly rogues that Princess Fluff wept bitterly for her friends, and Bud became so cross and disagreeable that even Zixi was provoked with him. Something really must be done declared the queen. I'll brew a magical mess in my witch kettle tonight, and see if I can find a way to destroy those detestable roly rogues. Indeed, she feared the creatures would some day find their way into Ix, so when all the rest of those in the palace were sound asleep, Zixi worked her magic spell, and from the imps she summoned she obtained advice on how to act in order to get rid of the roly rogues. The next morning she questioned Ruffles carefully. "'What do the roly rogues eat?' she asked. <laughs> "'Everything!' said the dog. <laughs> 
for they have no judgment and consume buttons and hairpins as eagerly as they do food. Uh, but there's one thing they are really fond of, and that's soup. <laughs> they oblige old Tollydob, the Lord High General who works in the palace kitchen, to make him a kettle of soup every morning. And th- this they all eat as if they were half-starving. <laughs> Very good, exclaimed the Witch Queen with pleasure. I think I see a way of ridding all Noland of these monsters. Here is a silver vial filled with a magic liquid. I will tie it around your neck, and you must return to the city of Nol and carry the vial to Tollydob, the Lord High General. Tell him that on Thursday morning, when he makes the kettle of soup, he must put the contents of the vial into the compound, but let no one taste it afterwards except the Roly Rogues. <laughs> and what then? asked Ruffles curiously. Then I will myself take charge of the monsters and I have reason to believe the good citizens of Noland will no longer find themselves slaves. <laughs> All right, said the dog. I'll do as you bid me, for I long to free my master and have revenge on the Roly Rogues. <laughs> so Queen Zixie tied the silver vial to the dog's neck by means of a broad ribbon, and he started at once to return to Noel. And when he had gone, the queen summoned all her generals and bade them to assemble the entire army and prepare to march into Noland again. Only this time, instead of being at enmity with the people of Noland, the army of Ix was to march to their relief, and instead of bearing swords and spears, each man bore a coil of strong rope. For swords, said Zixi, and spears are useless where the Roly Rogues are concerned, as nothing can pierce their tough rubber-like bodies, and more nations have been conquered by cunning than by force of arms. But and Fluff, not knowing what the Witch Queen meant to do, were much disturbed by these preparations to march upon the Roly Rogues. The monsters had terrified them so greatly that they dreaded to meet with them again, and Bud declared that the safest plan was to remain in Zixi's kingdom and await the coming of the miller's son with the necktie. But, remonstrated Zixi, in the meantime, your people are suffering terribly. I know, said Bud, and it nearly drives me frantic to think of it. But they will be no better off if we try to fight the Roly Rogues and are ourselves made slaves. Why not try the magic cloak as it is? suggested the little princess. And see if it won't grant wishes as before. There's only a small piece missing, and it may not make a difference with the power the fairies gave to it. Hooray! shouted Bud. That's a good idea. It is a magic cloak just the same, even if there is a chunk taken out of it. Zixi agreed that it was worth a trial, so the cloak was taken from the silver casket and brought into the queen's reception room. Let us try it on one of your maids of honor first, said Fluff, and if it grants her wish, we will know the cloak has lost none of its magic powers. Then you and Bud may both make your wishes. Very well, returned the queen and she summoned one of her maids. "'I am going to lend you my cloak,' said the princess to the maid, "'and while you wear it, you must make a wish.' She threw the cloak over the girl's shoulder, and after a moment thought, the maid said, "'I wish for a bushel of candies.' "'Fudge,' said Bud scornfully. "'No, all kinds of candies,' answered the maid of honor. But although they watched her intently, the wish failed, absolutely, 
for no bushel of candies appeared in sight. "'Let us try again,' suggested Bud, while the others wore disappointed expressions. "'It was a foolish wish, anyway, and perhaps the fairies did not care to grant it.' So another maid was called and given the cloak to wear. "'And I may wish for anything I desire?' she asked eagerly. "'Of course,' answered the princess. "'But as you can have but one wish, you must choose something sensible.' "'Oh, I will,' declared the maid. "'I wish I had yellow hair and blue eyes.' "'Why do you wish that?' asked Luff angrily, for the girl had pretty brown hair and eyes. "'Because the young man that I am going to marry says he likes blondes better than brunettes,' answered the maid, blushing. But her hair did not change its colour, for all the wish, and the maid said with evident disappointment, "'Your magic clock seems to be a fraud.' "'It does not grant foolish wishes,' returned the princess, as she dismissed her. When the maid had gone, Zixi asked, "'Well, are you satisfied?' "'Yes,' acknowledged Fluff. "'The cloak will not grant wishes unless it is complete. "'We must wait for the sailor man's necktie.' "'Then my army shall march tomorrow morning,' said the queen, "'and she went away to give the order to her generals.'